0: Sometimes I think we have picked up bad theology because of what we see on television or what maybe we've learned in Western Christianity and maybe need to go back to the roots of worship in Scripture. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. So good morning, church. We are continuing our study on what it means to give God our praise and our thanksgiving. A couple of weeks ago, we had a D now for adults. First time ever, our churchwide disciple now. Dr. Austin was with us, and he gave us this verse to live on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, I'll put it on the screen was a humbling reminder to us that we are to make disciples where God has planted us. In verse seven, you probably know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, the plans that God has for us to give us a future and a hope, which you may not know are the preceding verses, especially verse seven, when it says that we are to seek the welfare of our city where God has planted us. And wherever we are, we're to pray for our city and we're to engage in our city and we are to serve in our city. And so we're praying about ways we can do that on a daily basis. I hope when you wake up, you're considering how you can make disciples wherever God has planted you. And we'll find new ways to do that in the days ahead. Uh, we will be having uh, D-NOW again next Sunday. Dr. Austin was with us a couple weeks ago. This time we'll have Dr. Hayes Wicker. Dr. Hayes Wicker was a pastor that I came to know in Enid, Oklahoma. He was a young pastor at that time at Emanuel Baptist Church. He got a vision to bring in a youth crusade into our city that uh, came to our school for an assembly and we met that night at convention hall all sponsored under the ministry of emmanuel baptist church and dr hayes wicker it was that night that i gave my life to christ i would then be discipled there at uh, emmanuel we would go off to college and come back two years later to be mentored by dr wicker and then he would marry cami and i uh, in 1986 so i greatly appreciate his ministry he's been the pastor of first baptist church in naples florida for over 20 i think eight years down there and has recently retired he will be with us next sunday and we'll have the same schedule we'll have two worship services in the morning we'll come back at four o'clock to continue to learn what it means to make disciples but one of the greatest things we can do for our city to bless our city is to be the worshipers of God that we're called to be. Sometimes I think we have picked up bad theology because of what we see on television or what maybe we've learned in Western Christianity and maybe need to go back to the roots of worship in Scripture. So turn over to Psalm 100 that we looked at last Sunday, our theme verses for this series of praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verse 1. The writer of this psalm is David. David is the one who we know as a little shepherd boy we know him as a giant killer we know him as the king of Israel but do you realize he also was a worship leader he was a man after God's own heart and many times while he would be out in the fields taking care of the sheep or even when he became king he never lost his heart to worship the creator of the universe the God of his salvation so here's King David a giant killer pinning this song under inspiration of the Holy Spirit and listen what he said shout joyfully shout to the Lord who's supposed to shout all the earth that's you and me that's each and every one of us and we come together not just here on Sunday mornings but every day we wake up we ought to be shouting out to the Lord and thanking him for who he is in our life verse 2 says serve the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing know that the Lord himself is God It is he who made us and not we ourselves, for we are his people, and we are simply the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, come into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. This morning, I want us to learn what it means to bless his name, how we worship God as we learn to praise him as we give our thanksgiving, but certainly as we learn to bless his name. Verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. And his loving kindness is everlasting his faithfulness is to all generations last Sunday we learned a few things about worship number one it's okay to get reverently loud now just getting loud doesn't make it worship but also I would tell you if we're not getting loud it also challenges are we really worshiping God we worship God directionally look at verse 2 we're to do that with gladness we're to do that with joyful singing Remember I told you that last week this shout was what they would do in the streets as their king and the armies would return back from victory in battle. And they would line the streets and they were so grateful for what the king and the army had accomplished they would have these huge victory parades. That's the picture David's given us. When we come in on Sunday morning, we don't come in just to do church. We come in to celebrate the one who's given us victory in our hearts over sin, over death, and for all of eternity. And if we can't get a picture of that, it's no wonder we come in and we just sit and we watch worship happen on stage rather than letting worship happen in our hearts. We're to get reverently loud. We're to do that with joyful singing. We do it directionally to the Lord God, the creator of all things in verse 3. But then he brings in some interesting phraseology. He brings in a verse, verse 4, that frankly meant a lot of sense in his generation unless you know the biblical background it wouldn't make much sense to you or me take a look at verse 4 so now he says because we're the sheep of his pasture we enter his gates with thanksgiving we enter his courts with praise and we give thanks to him as we bless his name some as they first read this think well maybe this is speaking of king david Uh, often he would sit on his throne he would have his court it would be the king in his court and people would approach him and they would celebrate their king and they would come to the king and and there would be these festivities in the palace and maybe that's what he's speaking of that's not the picture that David is painting he's painting a picture of the tabernacle how people in his day met with God and how they worshiped God and God taught them how to do it God laid out all the specifics on how to worship him So what i want to do is i want to take us back into verse four i want to go back and look at the context of what david was actually teaching and so this month of october we're going to focus in on his courts with praise and in november we'll go back to the gates of thanksgiving but what was david speaking of let's look at the diagram again of the temple that was first delivered to moses when moses and his people left egypt and they then had their place they they were the people of god God taught them how to be worshipers. Before they were slaves in Egypt. Now they were the people of God, Israel, who were to worship Him every day. They built what was called the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was surrounded, as you can see there, it was fenced in with white walls of woven linen. And everywhere you looked, you saw that picture of purity, holiness. That's where God was residing, and it was a holy place. It wasn't made with dark, Uh, Like our sin, which is dark, it was white and woven, the purity of God, the holiness of God. We talked last Sunday about the east gate here on the right-hand side of this diagram. There was one section of the wall on the east side that you could walk into. It's interesting, if you go back in the Old Testament, it was out, they walked away to the east out of the garden. It's a picture of walking away from God. Now God makes an opportunity to come back to God through the east gate. As they would come through that gate it wasn't just pick a pick a wall pick a portion of the wall it was a certain colored entry point it was made out of different colored linens blue purple and red picturing the deity that he was God and they were not the purple representing the royalty that he was the king of the universe and the king of their souls and the only way that could be possible was through the red linen that was mixed in there that that would happen through the blood of the lamb of god that would take away the sins of the world and as you would enter that gate we'll talk about that in november how you enter but once you entered in to come worship god and meet with god the first place you would find yourself was in the court the courtyard and what we find to be a place of praise now as you look at the temple here i want us to or the tabernacle I want you to see something else very unique that someone in our church pointed me to this past week. I want you to turn to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers, that's an unusual name for a book. Well, we're going to look at some numbers in the book of Numbers, and when you first look at it, you're going to say, what in the world? What is going on here? I want you to be patient and wait with me. So we get to the second chapter of the book of Numbers. God was commanding Moses and Aaron how to lay out the camp of God's people. He would design the tabernacle where they would come and they would be able to fellowship with the Holy God. He would then place each of the 12 tribes within the camp specifically for a reason and ultimately to be a picture of worship. In the middle, you would find the tabernacle. You would also find the tribe of the Levites, the priests, that would camp around it. And then the rest of the tribes were divided up into four groups, three tribes each. Nobody was to place their tent in the regions of the northeast, northwest, southeast, or southwest. But he did place them strategically. I want you to follow this. Stay with me for a minute. Numbers chapter 2 verse 1. So the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and he said to them, The sons of Israel shall camp, each by his own standard, with the banners of their father's household. And they are to camp around the tent of meeting at a distance. Verse 3. He speaks, first of all, the first groups that would meet on the east side. Look at it. Now those who camp on the east side, remember that's where the gate is. Those who camp on the east side towards the sunrise shall be the standard of the camp of Judah. It shall be by their armies and their leaders, the sons of Judah. Drop down to verse 9. In verses 4 through 8 it speaks of all the other groups that were to join them on the east side. And then it gives us a total. You would expect the book of Numbers to have some numbers. Are you with me? look at the numbers on the east side they totaled up all the men in the army it doesn't count the women the children but it counts the men within these tribes they totaled 186,400 now why do we have that number well I'm going to show you in just a little bit then he goes verse 10 to the south side so very clearly he has designed that place of worship the tabernacle Then he places each of the tribes of God's people all around that focal point of their God. We're now on the south side of the tabernacle and he says it shall be there that you place the standard of the camp of Reuben, their armies and the leaders of the son of Reuben. You drop down to verse 16. Let me give you another set of numbers. 151,450 were on the south side. Verse 18. He now moves to the west side. Uh, Doesn't go clockwise, doesn't go counterclockwise. He goes east, to the south, to the west. On the west side, you shall be the standard of the camp of Ephraim. By their armies, the leaders of the sons of Ephraim. The total of the number, verse 24. Number on the west side, 108,100. And then you go to the north side, verse 25. And on the north side, there shall be the standard of the camp of Dan by their armies, the leaders of the sons of Dan, and the total, verse 31, on the north side, the tribes of Dan added up to 157,600. You read all that and you say, wow, that was worth getting up early on Sunday morning for, wasn't it? That's some good stuff right there. Did you get lost in the weeds? Why in the world was God so meticulous about this design? why would God lay it out in such a way because it looks like at first he's just evenly dividing the camp is he not there's four sides 12 tribes he divides three on each side take a look at your numbers again the numbers don't add up to equal parts do they if I could take you back in time if we could go on a sightseeing tour of Israel in that time and as they were camping down in that valley we would come up over a hill and we would look down and we would see this huge cloud, the presence of God towering over the people of God, and this is what you would see. An artist has taken the tribes as divided by numbers, laid it out on the east, the west, the north and the south, and that's what the camp looked like. And any invaders that would come to try to conquer Israel, as they would crest over that hill they would look down on the people and they would see what hopefully you see do you see the layout do you see what God wanted to be pictured there about our victory and how we can even worship God do you see it does anybody see it you see the cross you see prophesied and you see God painting a picture for how he was going to make it possible for you and me this day to shout to him, to worship him, not in a valley, not through religion, but because of what he's done in our hearts. And so I want to take that understanding, and it's what Jesus would speak of. And you don't have to put this slide up, guys, because I messed it up in the first service. But listen in, you can write down your notes John chapter 5, verse 39, and John chapter 5, verse 46. We now will find this John 5:39 and John 5:46. It's generations later, the descendants of Moses, the Joshua generation and the generations that would follow. And now we wake up and Jesus is walking the earth and there's religion in all Jerusalem, but there's no relationship with God. Jesus comes and he confronts the religious people, the people who had the word of God in their hands, They had nothing in their hearts. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said to them. He said, you search the scriptures. Now the scriptures they had at that time, the New Testament had not been written yet. All they had was what Moses had written in the first five books and what the prophets had given them, what David had given them. That's what they had, what we know as the Old Testament. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life but it is these scriptures that testify about me including Numbers chapter 2. I bet if you would have read Numbers chapter 2 this week in your quiet time you probably wouldn't have seen Jesus there and now you can every time you're in the word of God it doesn't matter if you're in Genesis or all the way to Revelation it all points to Jesus Jesus said these scriptures These scriptures that you look in all the time, they testify about me. He went on to say, for if you believe Moses, you would believe me. For he, Moses, wrote about me. They had to say, how could Moses hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago write about you? He didn't even know you. Oh, yes, he did. He knew Messiah was coming. And God revealed to him the way of salvation. And all of that pointed to the one who allows us to worship in spirit and in truth. So let's dig in, let's go back to the picture of the tabernacle, and let's see what David was talking about. We see God's design. We saw that it all pointed to the way God would give us the ability to worship through Christ, our deliverer. But now let's go into that court. And as you go into the court, you'll see, uh, again, God's design. There are tables there called the slaughter tables. There in the very middle was the brazen altar. All of that is what contained or what was known as the court. David said, we come into that part as we worship God with praise. And that day they came in bringing blood sacrifices, innocent animals as substitutes. But God gave David a deeper understanding. Look at Psalm 8410 on the screen. He says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness now think about that for a moment here's David and he had had some pretty incredible days if I'm David and I'm writing I might want to point people towards and remind them of the day I killed Goliath remember I'm your national hero Uh, remember they were singing songs about king Saul who killed his thousands and then there were songs about David killing his ten thousands he was a hero in the land he had all these experiences when he was a shepherd and when he battled a lion he battled a bear when he battled Goliath then he became king over all of Israel and all of those days can you imagine being the most powerful man on the planet wouldn't you be excited to be David and yet here's David and he says this all the days that I've sat on a throne as king as is Israel pale in comparison to one day just one day in his courts one day spending time with God one day of walking with him David could have easily got caught up in all of his success he could have got caught up in all the fame he could have got caught up in what everybody else was doing but he reminds us there's nothing better you can add up a thousand days of killing giants, a thousand days of being the king. Nothing's like one day with God. So, how do we get to do that? What's so special about the courtyard? Let's go back again. As you look into the courtyard, and what you see is the brazen altar right there in the middle. If you have your Bibles, turn over to another place you probably haven't been in recent days. Go to the book of Leviticus book of leviticus find that in the old testament leviticus chapter 6 if you're still awake say "Uh Uh uh-huh if you're even close to getting to leviticus say "Uh Uh uh-huh a few of you are close all right praise god for the digital version where you can just punch it right find leviticus 6 verses 12-13 through god again defines the purpose of what goes on in the court and he says in this court as you enter the gate the east gate You would then be in the court, and there in the court would be the brazen altar. And he said, you were to place fire on the altar. It must be kept burning at all times. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offerings on the fire, burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. In Moses' day, in Moses' generation... It's before the days of Jesus and everything was picturing what was to come. The tribes around the camp, around the tent was a picture of the cross. The way that God would allow us to finally be once again one with the Holy God. Until that day, they had to come daily here to the tent and to the tabernacle. They would have to bring an innocent animal as a substitute, a sacrifice for their sin. There the animal would be slaughtered. It would give its life and its blood. And the blood there would be presented on an altar as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And God said to Moses and his generations, don't let the fire die out. It was a reminder that they were sinners and that they daily needed forgiveness well praise God we don't live in the Old Testament we live this side of the cross and let me show you the difference in our days and Moses days find Hebrews in the New Testament Hebrews chapter 10 Hebrews 10 verses 11 through 14 and this will show you what's different in the court every priest stands daily the writer Hebrews was saying He was speaking to an audience that was still looking to Jewish rituals to be right with God. And he was reminding them, you continue to look to priests to represent you daily, bringing offering time after time after time, the same sacrifices. Which, oh, by the way, can never take away sins. They were just a picture, verse 12. But Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all times underline that that ought to get you shouting this morning when you see that that you don't have to take an innocent critter in and and that 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 innocent life doesn't have to give its life to cover your sin an innocent already has the Lord Jesus Christ it was one sacrifice one time for all of time and after he made that sacrifice after he died on that cross he just didn't die for our sins He was buried in a tomb, and he didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose again. And it says here, he sat down at the right hand of God. He went back to his rightful place. The Lamb of God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, returned back to his throne. And to this day, he still rules and reigns from heaven. The one who came to this earth, the one who took on flesh, and the one who took on a cross died in our place was that innocent lamb of sacrifice but who now sits at the right hand of God verse 13 waiting from that time onward until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet for by one offering he Jesus has done what watch this has perfected for all time all time those who are sanctified if I was in Moses' generation, every day I'd have to bring a sin offering. Every day I'd have to make my way, and every day another innocent critter would have to go down. But today, when we enter the courts, we don't come in, bring in more, more animals to sacrifice. The Lamb of God has already paid the price. It was a one-time sin offering. There was no more need for a sacrifice. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And now as I enter into that courtyard, I don't come so I can have another covering for my sin. My sins are already covered. So what do I do when I get in the court? I get in there and I just praise God because I'm free. I've got victory. I am forever. and, And look at the condition of your victory. It is once and for all for those who are being perfected for all times that's why we can shout that's why we celebrate victory it's not a conditional win it's not oh i'm kind of saved today and maybe i won't be tomorrow no i am saved 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 for the parents in the room i sound like bill green but you get it so remember what he said when you enter his courts with thanks or his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise you come to bless his name so what i want us to learn in the month of october is i want us to learn to praise him as revealed in his name as i look at hebrews chapter 10 i can praise him as my savior when i come into that court and i see that that altar that used to be full of fire and used to be the place where they would have to put the sin offerings and it would be burnt as an aroma up to God now there's no fire you know why because there's no need for the fire the fire of God's wrath was poured out on a cross it was poured out on the body of Jesus as he bore your sins and mine to set us free so now as I'm in that courtyard I don't bring a sacrifice of an animal we're going to learn later we bring a sacrifice of praise and why do we praise him? Because he is our savior. He is the one, the only one, who could pay for our sins. You go on into the courtyard again. If you look at the diagram, there was the place of sacrifice, the altar. And then right between the altar and as the priest would go into the Holy of Holies to represent the people of God, there was the brazen labor. Let me show you what that's all about. It's in Exodus. You can find that one a little bit easier. It's right after the book of Genesis. All right? Go find Exodus chapter 30. Look at God's design. Remember, everything he placed from the people of God to all the instruments within the tabernacle, all of it points to worship. We can't worship God unless we know God through the blood of Jesus. And once we have experienced the blood of Jesus we now find this second piece in the courtyard look at verse 17 so the Lord said to Moses make a bronze basin with its bronze base or its stand for washing place it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and their feet with the water from it whenever they enter the tent of meeting they shall wash with water so that they will not die even says as they go back even to the place of altar they're to wash they're to be cleansed it is a picture of becoming the righteousness of God they couldn't just go in with dirty hands they couldn't just go in however they wanted to casually approach God there first had to be a sacrifice and then there was cleansing as we enter his courts with praise we remember both of those things that through Christ I am forgiven he is my Savior and then I remember The brazen labor, and I'm reminded that God has cleansed me from my head to my toe. How do I know that? Ephesians 1 and verse 7. You with me? Hang with me. Ephesians 1, 7. For in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It speaks of redemption. That speaks of what Christ did on the altar, on a cross. Removing forever my need to bring sacrifices before God of innocent animals but that Jesus so loved me he became the Lamb of God and through his blood he brought me forgiveness for my sins. Romans 5.9 says, much more then, having been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Isn't that a beautiful picture there in the tabernacle? As they would lay their sacrifice on the altar, the fire that would consume it, its again a picture of the wrath of God and in the book of Romans it says the wrath of God has been removed from us because Jesus bore it all and through his blood substitute, his blood sacrifice, we are saved from the wrath of God. So here's how I can bless his name. I can bless his name as my savior. I can bless his name as my redeemer. God, today I bless you for being my redeemer, for loving me so much that you were willing to pay the price for my sin. That's blessing his name. That's praising him in the courts. As I recognize my savior, my redeemer. Drop down to verse 19 in Romans 5. It goes on to say, For as through one man's disobedience, speaking of Adam, many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, Jesus, the second Adam, many were made righteous. As I'm in that courtyard, I see the bronze altar and I remember Jesus, my Savior, my Redeemer, I bless His name, I give Him praise. I don't have to bring a sacrifice of a critter, I bring a sacrifice of praise to my deliverer, to my Savior. I move past that and now I'm at the labor and now I remember that it's through His blood sacrifice that I'm made righteous, not by joining a church, Not by doing good works, not by my good outweighing my bad. He has cleansed me, and he has made me to be righteous. So in the court now, this side of the cross, we get to act a little different. We get to bring, watch this. Everybody turn to Hebrews 13 and verse 15. This is the beauty of it. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Don't miss it. Again, the writer of Hebrews was writing to people who understood the Moses generation, who understood what it meant, the altar of sacrifice, what it meant, that brazen uh, labor. But the writer of Hebrews, who knew Jesus, showed him how all of that pointed to the way we worship God. And watch this. So he, in summation, says, through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of lambs to God. Not us, not this generation. As we enter his courts, we don't enter in with lambs and bulls and goats. We enter into that courtyard with what? With what? Praise. Praise. As we praise him, we praise him for who he is. We bless his name. And we don't just do that on Sunday morning, when we, and we will, we do that corporately. But watch this, we do it, how often? Continually. Not once a week, not whenever we show up at church, but all throughout the day. It should be the way we live. But if we're not careful, we'll spend 10,000 days outside the court, And we'll be busy doing all this stuff we want to do in our days. Instead of starting the day, each day continually in the court, bringing a sacrifice of praise. You see, that is the fruit of our lips that gives thanks to what? Gives thanks to what? His name. That's how we learn to worship. We worship Him for who He is. We thank Him for what He does bless his name for who he is he is my savior he's my redeemer he's my lord and he's my king he's the god of salvation he is the god who is worthy to be praised he is my redeemer he is my righteousness bless his holy name as david was pinning all of these things and Psalm 100, he was trusting in God for his salvation. He was shouting with joy and singing joy for the Lord because God was the God of his salvation. He was the God who redeemed him. He was the God who made us righteous. That's why we shout to the Lord because he's given us victory. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, not everybody in here may have victory this morning. Not everybody in here may... You may know the name Jesus, but you may not know victory. You can't shout to the Lord because you don't have a Lord. You're the Lord of your life. You're the one in charge. And it's today that you need to give your life to Jesus. You need forgiveness. You need a relationship with the Holy God. And there's only one way into that relationship. Just like there was only one way into the tabernacle, there's only one way into fellowship with God. It's through Jesus who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And if you've never been matter of fact jesus would go on and say i am the gate and he who enters through me has life if you've not been through the gate if you've never given your life to jesus today is the day of your salvation right where you are whether you're in here or online give your life to jesus right now you say how do i do that well, the bible says eternal life is a gift from god it's not something you do it's something you receive A gift is something somebody does for you. You just have to receive it. You say, how do I receive the gift? Just like I did when Hayes Wicker and Emmanuel Baptist Church brought Jay Strack to our town, and I heard the gospel preached, and on that night I realized I'd put everything into my life but God. And on that night I cried out to God and said, God, save me. I confessed that I was a sinner. God, I sinned against you. Lord, I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come in. Have you ever made that kind of commitment to Christ? The Bible says, whoever will call on his name, they shall be saved. If that's you today, shout out to him and say, Lord, save me. And he will. Ministers will be here at the front. You can come to them. Tell them today, man, I nailed it down. Or if you have questions, tell them, man, I'm not sure where I stand with God. They'll pray with you. They'll help you. That's why we're here. You need to be the first to come there are others in here you shouted out the Lord for salvation but you quit shouting in your sanctification you quit shouting to the Lord with your praise and you're outside that tent you're in those other days of doing your stuff and it's time to come back to his courts with praise maybe you just need to spend time repenting with God and saying, God, today I want to be a person of worship, a person who praises your name. Maybe you need a church family, a church home where you can praise with other believers and praise God and serve God. Our ministers will be here. Just tell them, I want to join this church. This is where God's planning me to bless my city. Whatever the need is, I'm going to pray over you. We're going to stand. I'm going to ask our staff to go ahead and come and make their way to the front. When I get done singing am- or saying amen, we'll stand up. Alex will start singing. And you can sing with him or you can come forward and give God the glory. Father, that is our prayer, that in these moments you would be honored, that you would receive all the glory as we respond to your voice and give you our praise. We do it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.